Are you passionate about creating a physical product, something you can touch, feel, or taste, and then get paid for it by those that love what you've created? Well, the Product Launch Rebel Podcast is the one for you, where you get insider tips on how to spot an opportunity, manufacture your product, get financing, and achieve the independence you've always dreamed about. It's time to crank it up with your host, product developer, investor, and founder of VentureSuperfly.com, John Benzik. Greetings, Product Launch Rebels, and welcome to the Product Launch Rebel podcast. I'm your host, John Benzik from VentureSuperfly.com, the website that helps you double your entrepreneurial courage, even if you don't know what you're doing. Today, I'm interviewing Ben Brizoff of Beat Vodka. Ben and his co-founder, Jirad Poling, started a premium pour vodka company. The product is made from the hearts of sugar beets, sort of a genius way to find a way to repurpose them. Ben is the CEO of the company. He's also a bit of an adventurer and travel enthusiast, venturing to nearly 60 countries. I bet he has some great stories to tell. Ben, thanks for taking the time. I'm stoked that you're here. And welcome to the Product Launch Rebel podcast. Thank you very much, John. Yes, very, very happy to be here. And you are right, big travel enthusiast and, uh, yes, pioneer of this sugar beet vodka, beet vodka. Thanks for uh, giving me a chance to speak with you about it. You bet. Very inspirational. So, Ben, within this podcast, there are three segments. The first is called Give Me the Basics. The second part is what I call Tell Me How. And the final part is Let's Get Personal. Ben, I know that you don't have much time. It's time for some questions. Are you ready? Yes, absolutely. Thanks a lot. Give me the basics. Ben, why did you see vodka as a business opportunity? How did you see it as a business opportunity? How did you come up with the idea? Uh, good question. And, and actually, the answer is quite basic. So it's fitting with this um, um, back to basics um, um, first segment of yours. Um, so we were really inspired by what we saw happening in the craft beer industry. Um, we loved the social uh, element of coming together and sharing in a drink and in, in conversation. Um, at that time, a couple of years ago, 2014, we saw that that market was a bit saturated and um, at the same time had heard about this uh, renaissance of the craft spirits industry uh, pre -pro or post-prohibition. And so that was kind of, you know, really the impetus was we were just excited by the social element of having a drink and saw that um, craft spirits were kind of the new uh, craft beer at the time. Who do you sell to? So we sell to uh, a distributor and a distributor sells to liquor stores and uh, restaurants and bars. Uh, it's a three-tier system. Uh, we're based here in Minnesota uh, some markets are a little bit different, um, but nonetheless, we sell to uh, a distributor um, and and then obviously trickle down to the end consumer. So uh, a lot of our messaging, of course, is for uh, you, the, 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 the general consumer. Um, but unfortunately, I could not sell directly to you or to your audience, um, uh, although we are uh, available um, to be shipped throughout the U.S. How many products do you have? We have one. So uh, we decided there's great opportunity um, within the vodka category to do one thing and do, to do it differently and to do it well. Um, and so um, at this point now, um, on the anniversary, um, you know, this month of our, of our one year uh, since launch, uh, we're still doing just one thing, that's beat vodka. 
and really sharing the message of of this great spirit and um, um, I guess essentially educating people on not only sugar beets but also what a vodka can be and what it uh, what it should be. You can enjoy it and sip it and uh, not be afraid to to taste it. Now, has anybody used sugar beets for vodka before? How did that come about? Well, um, a sugar beet uh, is a natural sugar source, and in order to uh, create a fermentation process and therefore an alcohol, you do have to have a sugar compound. So usually you're actually extracting a starch and converting it into a sugar. Um, so most spirits that you see in the marketplace today are out of corn, uh, grains, and various other starches. Uh, sugar beet uh, kind of eliminates a step, and uh, we realized in doing some research that uh, it's a perfect, perfect product, therefore, for creating alcohol, and Minnesota just so happens to be the number one producing state in the nation of sugar beets, so it was kind of this perfect storm of using a, a real prevalent crop with a great agricultural story here uh, in our local market, and also one that creates a really nice tasting product and a, and a real natural uh, process to, to do it. So being in business for one year, how many employees do you have now? And what does it take being one year in business? How many employees would you need for this sort of thing? Uh, you'd be surprised that, that it's actually, uh, you know, there's very, very few. We have a, we have a real lean team. Um, and that was kind of a decision deliberately from the very beginning, uh, which I think was a, is a good lesson uh, to share as well when, when starting any business is, you know, look at... Um, um, starting lean, uh, kind of like that lean startup model, uh, and also look at who within your your sphere, within the community, within the industry that you can partner with to leverage their skills and talents and uh, essentially outsource to them. So we decided, um, although it was, um, you know, it's a, it's a cool thing to do is, is to start your own distillery uh, to manufacture and do everything yourself. We decided, you know, that was not in our best interest from, number one, a, a capital investment standpoint, um, a risk standpoint, uh, and also an expertise standpoint. We decided to instead um, partner with um, a distillery um, already established here locally, the, the first really in the area uh, with a lot of experience and skill. Um, we decided to also not bring on you know, creative and design people into the team. Instead, we decided to outsource that and work with uh, – uh, creative agency in Minneapolis, um, Knock, Knock Incorporated, um, who has done a great job thus far in creating a, a beautiful package, um, and uh, so on and so forth. So um, there's just a couple of us right now um, and for the foreseeable future. So you've been in business for one year. Correct. Give me a one-word answer to this. Give me one word that best describes in your opinion your first year exciting <laughs> it's extremely exciting to uh to take an idea and that's all it really was at the time over over actually a pint of beer um scribbling it down uh, having many many conversations um and uh, little by little piecing together uh, all the various elements of what would then become beat vodka and and all of a sudden then it, one year ago uh, having that first sale, um, receiving that first check, um, receiving the first uh, bit of press in the media, um, and you know, and, and and from there, from there it went, and and just really exciting to 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 really create that uh, and have it come to fruition. 
For sure. And, and also exciting and also exciting to, to, to know that, you know, now we we have a year under our belt and, and learned a lot and there's a lot of exciting opportunities in year two and um, beyond that to, to grow and make this into something even greater. So very exciting. How did your experience, your work experience in residential renovations and remodeling uh, contribute to what you're doing now, if at all? It's a good question. It seems initially maybe on the surface that um, they have nothing to do with one another. Um, I think ultimately, however, um, any business comes down to how well you relate to people, uh, how well you can communicate and market um, that idea or product or service. Um, and so, so therefore, although completely different industries, um, you know, that previous industry you mentioned, the restoration remodeling industry, um, is very, very service uh, and sales oriented, having to work with homeowners on one of their most prized possessions, which is their house, um, to then, you know, parlay that into selling a premium pour vodka, um, which is all about connecting with people and enjoying a moment together. So, um, I, I, I see, you know, ultimately, if you can, uh, if you can work well with people, get people to like you. People buy from um, from those they like and uh, relate to. I think then you'll be successful in whatever industry that is. And also, you have to be passionate about it um, and be able to, I guess, um, talk the talk and um, be be driven by what you're what you're doing. Ben, most entrepreneurs go into business with a set of assumptions and many of those assumptions prove to be different from what they expected thereby making them scramble to make changes in order to survive regarding beet vodka's uniqueness did your original assumption about the product's uniqueness prove motivating to consumers or did you discover a different selling proposition after being in business for a while i would say uh, in all honesty we probably were not very certain what the selling proposition would be, as crazy as that sounds. I think we were, uh, in many ways, just really inspired and excited to to create something, uh, to create that social element. Um, alcohol is in a category. We're fortunate enough to, to, to be in a category that um, most people are excited about naturally. Oh, have a drink. Great. Awesome. I'm not selling, you know, um, a bar of soap and no offense to those listening who might be doing that. But, um, uh, so I, I think we, we knew that one of the value propositions would simply be it's a, it's an alcohol. It looks nice. Um, uh, we had people early on say, Oh, that's like the apple, um, the apple of, of alcohol, you know, it's this beautiful package. And so, um, we did put a lot of time into developing a nice package and, and we knew that that would be a great value proposition for people. Um, we did some market research early on and obviously that's important to do is to, to study, uh, study the marketplace before creating something and, and, you know, in doing so notice that there's a lot of, um, gaudy packaging, a lot of wordy packaging, a lot of, um, uh, similarity, I guess, nothing that was really standing out. So we created something that was different. So, um, and that's remained consistent throughout. Um, I think we were pleasantly surprised how much people liked the actual flavor of the vodka. We knew it was good, but I think it's almost turned out better than we could have expected. Um, so that's great. Um, people like it, uh, for, from, from the outside and, you know, the product that's inside, uh, the bottle. 
Um, and, um, yeah, I guess those are the two things right now that, uh, that really stick out in terms of the value proposition. And I think it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a more expensive product. And so whenever you have a more expensive product versus others in the category, you really have to kind of, um, drive home those, those, um, value adds that, that people have communicated and naturally kind of, um, um, I guess been drawn to. Tell me how. So here we are in the Tell Me How segment of the podcast, where we aim to get to the heart of the matter regarding key issues for aspiring entrepreneurs. Ben, let's talk about raising capital. Did you raise capital for Beat Vodka, and how did you go about doing it if you did? We were lucky enough to not have to, um, besides some self-funding. We actually, and that goes back to earlier when I said, you know, start lean, um, because we did not have to uh, create our own location, because we were able to outsource some other skilled areas of the business, uh, we did not have to actually uh, raise um, much money as compared to what we otherwise would have. Um, so besides personally funding it uh, to a certain extent, and then also because of this um, commodity, the sugar beet that we're using, we were able to tap into um, the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. Um, they have grants available. We received a small grant, and that was uh, helpful as well as we started up. But other than that, um, and credit cards, obviously that's kind of the story you hear a lot. People uh, using credit cards to also um, get by in the early stages. Um, that was really the, the way that we got off the ground. Are you sort of philosophically opposed to it, or do you think at some point you may consider raising money? Yeah, and I think now... Starting the second year, it's definitely something that's um, um, come to surface. Uh, I think we we need that now to get to that next level, whether that's further investment uh, personally. Um, It's something I believe in, and um, for that reason, uh, would consider investing more on a personal level and or, yeah, perhaps raising outside capital, um, bringing in with that people of uh, various expertise and experience that could help us get to that next level, I think would be equally as important as the money. Uh, money ultimately is, I think, easy to find. Um, having the right people that come along with that money is, is I think, the more critical element that would help us then get to those uh, next goals that we have as we expand. So, um, yeah, and it's it's also... Um, you know, start of a new year, start of, uh, you know, new goals, new vision, new budget, trying to figure out, I guess, where all that kind of falls into place with uh, then our, our, our needs from outside, outside resources. Ben, how did you go about finding somebody to produce the vodka for you? We had in this marketplace um, uh, been aware of a, a distillery uh, just across the border. It's actually in, in New Richmond, Wisconsin. The name is 45th Parallel. Uh, they were the first um, distillery in the region, really, um, to to open up shop, and that was a good about 12 years ago now already. And so, uh, where although there were a few others that had um, recently opened at that time, about 2014, 2015, um, we really wanted to go with best in class. It was really important for us, obviously, to create something uh, really, really good. Um, and therefore decided to work with these guys and had essentially pitched them on the idea. Um, just as we had pitched our marketing agency on the idea, we created a, a real rudimentary, I have to say, slide deck or pitch deck with a handful of slides 
talking about the opportunity, talking about the market, uh, the resurgence of craft spirits uh, post-prohibition, um, this VIP um, that we called it, uh, uh, the Sugar Beat, which is a, a real big differentiator for our product. And people liked the idea, uh, the distillery did, the, our, our agency did, and um, just kind of threw a little bit of uh, a guerrilla network and were able to and, and I guess um, being nice and being uh, pleasantly persuasive or um, persistent, we're able to get these people lined up. Were there ever any problems or issues in initially working with the manufacturer? A lot of times that can happen. Most of the time, I think it does. Yeah, I think it does. And it, and, and it, it has. And it's not perfect by any means, even today. Um, we, uh, you know, anytime that you try to work within someone's existing infrastructure and processes uh, come in thinking you want to have it done one way. They say, no, 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 this is, this is our show. We're going to do it this way. And you try to find, but no, we want it that way. So you try to find this middle ground. Um, you know, our packaging is, is very uh, labor intensive. It's very craft. Um, all the various elements of the bottle that you see when you, when you buy one off the shelf. Um, and so that obviously caused some, um, a little bit of, uh, I guess, resistance and angst. We actually had to bring in and purchase um, an entirely different piece of machinery to label our bottle. Um, so that required some different training, uh, education, uh, a little bit of you know massaging some of the um, just again resistance to to wanting to to, to do a different um, process within the distillery. So um, and, and it's kind of a it's an evolution. So it's a, it's a partnership. It's an important par- important partnership to our success. Um, so we we you know are in uh, regular communication, um, making sure that the quality control is in place. Um, that's still not perfect, but um, kind of work through things as they come up. And and ultimately, if you you have open dialogue with those various partners, um, um, you know I think most most issues can be resolved um, without hopefully too much heartache or headache. Let's talk about selling the product to retailers, or in your case, more directly, the distributors. Did you have to sell them on your idea? Was it difficult to have them buy into it? Yeah, there, there definitely was a sale that was required. Um, sharing, kind of doing the, 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 the puppy dog, I guess, trick where you know, bring the bottle in, they get to see it, touch it, hold it, sip it. Um, oh, I, I like this. This is pretty. This feels nice. This tastes great. That's a vodka. Oh, wow, it's different. Um, you know, the, there was definitely some of that show and tell um, that was required. Um, ultimately, um, I think people, you know, as we found, whether it's a distributor or elsewhere, are, are you know willing to give give you a shot, um, and and then kind of assess from there. So we were given a shot, and are still with that distributor that did, uh, you know, a year ago. Uh, sign on with us and um, um, you know at this point now it's really our job is to provide um, the marketing and um, sales uh, support to keep driving um, you know sales off the shelf at these uh, at these liquor stores bars and restaurants and what are some of your top tactics to support them to create that demand and awareness um, you know it's really um, twofold. Uh, one for traditional marketing, things like um, just uh, events. Um, again, this is a very social business, so for us, doing events has been a great way to to share that experience with people. Um, especially since we do not have our own location, our own 
um, uh, distillery or, or hospitality room. We're able to um, kind of recreate that by doing events, uh, whether it's in somebody's, uh, you know, private private space or at some uh, more public um, kind of venue. Um, and, and, and then also through social media, I guess, um, kind of harnessing um, harnessing that to, to really show the show the product uh, and share the story behind it. So we do a lot on Instagram, um, some targeted ads on Facebook, um, Twitter, uh, kind of those are the three that we use most. And, and um, actually I should also add, you know, we've done a lot of um, marketing uh, to the to, to press uh, and media doing sending out little kits uh, with sample, uh, real small sample bottles, um, some literature um, about the product, um, press release, kind of everything packaged up to make it easy for people to to share the story, um, and that's and that's helped. We uh, this month are in Delta Sky magazine. Um, we have been in um, um, some other national publications, um, obviously local publications as well, and all of that's helped create um, credibility around the brand, awareness around the brand. And um, we've seen uh, a lot of traffic on our website, um, which we also put some good time into developing. Um, that's kind of like our lookbook, I guess, for the brand um, on beatvodka.com. So, yeah, it's been, I think, just multiple uh, multiple factors, obviously, and in, in, um, resulting in, in, in sales. Let's get personal. So Ben, let's get personal on a few topics. It seems that, right. yeah, right. It seems that ninety-nine out of a hundred people just talk about starting a business, but never start one. Starting a business is special and, frankly, pretty unusual. What motivates a person like you to stop just talking about launching a business and actually go out and start a business like Beat Vodka? Um, it was really. It was a desire to just to, to create something of your own. Um, I think, especially nowadays, with um, you know, let's say the millennial generation, for example, uh, there's a there's a great desire, I think, to um, to to do something of meaning, um, to 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 be a part of something greater than yourself. And so, by uh, for me at least, creating beat vodka, it's my way to tap into that kind of that inner drive to really connect with people, to share something. Um, and to almost create a legacy of sort. Um, I probably never thought uh, creating an alcohol would be my legacy. Um, it's probably, you, you know, it's just, it's just one um, perhaps venture of, of many yet to come for me, but um, have learned a lot, and I I'm, I'm, think I'm driven each day to make this into the best thing it can be and to connect with more people, share the story, share the experience, and see the kind of smile on their on their face when they when they have a drink and they say oh wow this is great how'd you do that or where can i find it what do you think have been your biggest joys since you've started the company it's probably that it's probably you know connecting with people at events um hearing feedback um and um just sharing in that in that experience with people it's um again from the very beginning this was created to to bring people together um to, to give them a, a you know something to, to, to socialize uh, around and with and uh, this is kind of that um, that vehicle that does that you know enjoy a drink and let's let's come together so uh, and, and also it's, it's just cool when 
you know, we're, we're out and about somewhere at an event or whatever it may be. And they're like, oh, yeah, I, I beat vodka. Oh, yeah, I've heard of you guys. Or, oh, yeah, I saw you at so-and-so. Or, oh, I had you at, you know, I tasted you at such-and-such place. And, yeah, love it. It's great. Keep up the good work. So uh, in Minnesota and I'm sure in many other markets, it's a very small, um, big community um, in that it's a lot, a lot of creative, wonderful people, businesses, um, um, who are tremendously supportive of um, other small businesses and startups. And um, so that's been a great joy, I think, as well, to connect with, with them and uh, uh, kind of all be in it together uh, to a certain extent. What has been your biggest frustration? I think I'd like us to be further afield than we currently are. Um, we're in two markets right now, North Dakota and Minnesota. Uh, I'd like us to, um, I think, be be bigger than we are. I know that you have to kind of scale carefully and not get too big for, um, for, you know, where you're currently at in, in, in your business's life cycle. Um, but I think we have a tremendous product, a tremendous story. And, you know, obviously with a, a lean team, um, there's only so much time in the day, um, only so much that you can really accomplish. And, and maybe that's the frustration because I think we, we technically could probably accomplish so much more and be, um, yeah, farther, farther along than we could be in terms of our, our, our footprint here regionally or nationally. Do you think starting a business has changed you at all as a person? Yeah, I do. I think it, it gives you starting a business gives you and actually launching it. Like you said, it's not it's one thing to have an idea, but another thing to actually launch it and get it out there and to to have a little bit of uh, time under your belt. I think it gives you um, confidence um, that yes, I can do this. Um, yes, I could do this again. Um, and uh, and and I think that's that's a pretty great great thing, you know, knowing that. Um, you know, you can really accomplish anything if you put your mind to it. If you're passionate enough about something, um, and you work hard and, and long enough at it, um, you can really do anything. Anything's possible. Who has been most influential to you in your life, either professionally or personally? I would say my grandfather, actually. Um, you know, I've been asked that question not for a while now, actually, but that's the answer that I always uh, had, and I think it's still my answer. My grandfather, he's no longer. No, no longer with us. Unfortunately, I passed away when I was uh, in high school. But um, I remember from a young age, um, some of his, his great, great um, traits, um, you know, frugal, uh, very down to earth, salt of, the, salt of the earth. He raised four amazing daughters, was very, very close with his family, um, very generous and giving, um, very, you know, conservative, Scandinavian conservative um, just worked really hard, uh, lived within his means, and was a real, real nice uh, guy that also started a few businesses, saved and invested wisely, uh, was able to leave um, a nice legacy for uh, his daughters and his wife. And um, I just really admire him, I think, for um, you know who he was and uh, what he meant to those around him and um, you know his giving back. Finally, Ben, did I miss any questions that you feel you'd like to provide answers to? Or do you have any closing pieces of advice for our aspiring entrepreneur listeners? I think ultimately it's, you know, in the evolution of a business, when you're first starting off, you really have to figure out what does make it unique and also um, figure out uh, what you want that product or, you know, the brand essentially to represent. Um, 
it, it ultimately is a reflection of you, an extension of yourself. Uh, when we launched Beat Vodka in the early, early days, as we were developing the brand, sat down um, in front of a big whiteboard and put down on, on, on the whiteboard companies that we admired and why, what were the buzzwords about them? And what are our own personal values? What's our value system? And so those words then turned into the brand pillars um, and the identity of our business. And so today the brand pillars are sincere, social, and simplified. That's what we want the brand to exude because that's, you know, the values that we hold dear. So um, everything that we do and how we build the business goes back and refers back to these three brand pillars and you know, I think that's um, done very well for us as we've grown, put us on a solid foundation and, and uh, resonates and, and matches up well with who we are as people. So I think that's probably the biggest lesson from the very beginning that I learned is um, make sure you really have that identity match up and, and, and with you and, and define well. That's such great advice. Ben, you've been a terrific guest offering some great stories and great advice to our aspiring entrepreneur listeners. Congratulations on your success, for your entrepreneurial courage, and for sharing your experiences with us. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate it. Well, you've just listened to another episode of Product Launch Rebel featuring John Benzik of Venture Superfly. To download episodes of previous shows or for other entrepreneur-related resources, visit VentureSuperfly.com. Be sure to like Venture Superfly on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to Product Launch Rebel in iTunes. Join us for our next Product Launch Rebel episode, where we'll continue to reveal insider tips on how to launch and grow your physical product-based business. 